Grace, you, and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word, which we receive this morning, is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, then they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So far, our text. Sanctify us through your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our children learn pretty early on how to identify Jesus in just about any picture. Even if Jesus isn't depicted in the classic way with the European face and the beard and the long hair, they usually can still pick him out pretty easily by what he's doing, how he's acting, the look on his face. Jesus is the one preaching. Jesus is the one holding up his hands in blessing. Jesus is the one clothed in white. They know who Jesus is because they know the stories and the parables of the kinds of things that Jesus does and can identify him. Jesus is the one holding the little lamb. Before we had the Gospels, before Jesus came down to this earth, the people of God had the prophet Isaiah. There's no prophet in the Old Testament who describes the coming Messiah in as much detail as we find in the book of Isaiah. We heard last week from Isaiah chapter 40 in which he talks about the voice which comes before preparing the way of the Messiah. In Isaiah 53, we probably know that chapter very well, we have the suffering servant, Jesus the high priest who sacrifices himself for us, the one who is wounded, who is striped, who is cut off from the land of the living. In Isaiah 42, a chapter that we're probably not as familiar with, we see Jesus exalted as the king who brings righteousness to his people. And today, in Isaiah chapter 61, we have Jesus, the great prophet, who preaches the good tidings to the poor. This is the chapter that Jesus himself points to as the proof that he is the Messiah and as the example of what it means that he is the Messiah. Remember, in Nazareth, he quoted these very verses and said to the people, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He wasn't just telling them that he was the Messiah, although he was telling them that, but he was telling them more than that. He was telling them what kind of Messiah God had sent him to be and was pointing the people back to Isaiah chapter 61 to see what, what he was there to do and to show the description of who he was and who he came to be. When John was in prison and sent those messengers to Jesus saying, are you the one we've been waiting for? Jesus sent the messengers back again with these very same words from Isaiah. Go and tell John the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so our text this morning reveals to us what Jesus is like. Not what his physical form is like, but what he is like, what he will do, how he will act. 
as we draw near to the celebration of his coming, just eight days till Christmas, we are reminded of who Jesus is. We, he is described for us so that we might recognize him, regardless of how he is physically depicted. We might recognize him, not just when he is lying in the manger, but even more importantly, when he comes to us through the preaching of his word. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus is the Lord of the covenant who comes with grace and mercy for his people. One of the clues that our kids probably pick up on pretty easily and how they can identify Jesus is uh, the look of tenderness and mercy that's often shown on his face. Our kids saw a picture of a man with a scowl and wagging his finger with his hand on his hip, they probably would say, no, that's not Jesus. Because that's not how he comes to us. He is the one anointed to preach good tidings, good news to the poor. The translation that we have here in this verse, in this first verse the Lord God, is probably misleading. The Hebrew term Elohim, which means the powerful one, the almighty one, and is the term that's usually translated as God, does not actually appear in this verse. Rather, what we have here in the Hebrew is Adonai Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, the God of the covenant. And then we have that personal name of God repeated again in the next phrase, Yahweh has sent me. This is the God of the covenant, the God of mercy, the God who keeps his promises. Now, the term Elohim does actually appear in the next verse, in verse 2, where we have to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. But you see there it is set as a contrast to Yahweh. We have uh, Yahweh's year of favor or of grace, year of jubilee, and we have God's day of vengeance. Now those aren't two separate events, just as they're not two separate gods that we're talking about, as though God and Yahweh are two separate people, but rather they're the same event viewed from two different viewpoints. To the people of the covenant, Yahweh comes to proclaim that year of jubilee. That year of forgiveness, that year when everything is reset, when the sins are forgiven and people rejoice in God's grace and in His forgiveness. To those who reject that covenant, who are not of the covenant, who reject God's covenant, then Jesus' coming is that day of vengeance. That's the same thing we saw last week, a similar idea that we saw last week. Every valley shall be exalted and the hills brought low. Those who humble themselves before God, repent of their sins, then Yahweh's coming, the Messiah's coming, is that year of rest and of jubilation in which we receive the forgiveness. But those who puff themselves up, who come before God in pride, then comes Elohim, the power of God in vengeance, to cut down the proud. To us who are of the covenant, who receive with repentant hearts that forgiveness, he is Yahweh the God of grace and mercy, of tender compassion, who preaches the good news to the poor, the broken, the captive, those who are bound. The gospel comes to those who are suffering. 
those who are not suffering, those who are enjoying the fruits of this earth and don't really care much about their spiritual well-being, really have no use for the gospel. They often don't think beyond uh, the things of this world. But to those who are broken, those who know their sin, to them the gospel comes with that comfort, that proclamation of the year of jubilation. Jesus is anointed with the Spirit. Secondly, our Messiah is identified because that Spirit, the Spirit of Yahweh, is upon him. The Gospel of John sets out for us the proof that Jesus is the Son of God. And very early on in the Gospel of John, one of the first things that John does is to lay before us the testimony of John the Baptist. The Gospel of John doesn't actually record the baptism of Jesus, but what it does give is the testimony of John the Baptist who says, I saw the Spirit descending upon him. Therefore, I know him to be the Messiah promised. You think back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. There God promised that his Spirit will not strive anymore with man. Because of the wickedness of man, the Lord's Spirit was taken from man. God's not going to strive with those who insist on continuing in wickedness. But now here, in the person of Jesus, in the Messiah, the one whom God has anointed, He is anointed with the Spirit. The Spirit returns to men through the person of Jesus. And not just given to Jesus, but through Him given to His church. So that when Jesus ascends into heaven, He gives gifts to men, as we, as we talked about a couple Sundays ago pours out the Spirit upon the church. And when this, pour, this Spirit is poured out upon the church, the Spirit who hovered over the face of the earth at creation, life is given to the church. So that here in Isaiah 61, a few verses later, verse 11, we read, For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord Yahweh will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So the Spirit is given. He is anointed with the Spirit, and through Him, that Spirit comes to us to give us life. Jesus, of course, is the one who preaches the good news. Another of the clues that allow the children and us to easily identify Jesus, regardless of how He's depicted, is the simple fact that He is usually the one preaching. You can think of that famous painting of uh, the Emmaus disciples where you have three people. It's obvious which one Jesus is because he is the one talking and the other two are obviously listening to him. They're both, their faces are turned towards him to hear what he has to say. Or you can think of uh, the pictures of Jesus in the boat uh, just before the miraculous catch of fish and he's, he's standing in the boat preaching. The disciples are sitting there. The crowd is standing on the seashore looking at him. Or think of pictures of Jesus on uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes he's standing, sometimes he's sitting, sometimes the crowd is standing, sometimes the crowd is uh, sitting. But regardless, they're all focused on Jesus. It's obvious that he is the one who is preaching. He is the great prophet, the one who came to preach the good news. The job of Jesus, the thing he came to do, is to preach the glad tidings. The job of the Spirit is to preach the glad tidings. The kingdom comes through the preaching of the good news. You know, earlier in Isaiah chapter 60, 
God gives us a depiction of the, what the kingdom of God will look like. He gives a description of the kingdom of God. And now here in chapter 61, we have the description of the Messiah, the one who will bring the kingdom, and how he brings that kingdom through the preaching of the word. Remember how Jesus himself made this clear in the parable of the sower and the seed. God's kingdom is like a man sowing seed. It is his job to preach the word, to preach the gospel. But what do men say and think about the preaching of this gospel? Very often, <clears throat> people think that this preaching of the gospel is nothing. It's just talking. We need something more than that. And so, uh, the Catholic Church and the Pope, they want power in order to bring God's kingdom. And the, and the Charismatics, they want spiritual power and miracles in order to bring God's kingdom. And the Anabaptists, they want to prove their spiritual wisdom and their good works. And others look at numbers, and others look for money, and others look for prestige and fame and many other things. But none of these things are included here in God's description of the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom, but only the preaching of the gospel. And so it is that in our sinfulness, we often get bored with the preaching of the gospel. And we think that, oh, we've had enough of that, and we want something new. God reminds us in our text that all the gifts of God come through the word and the sacraments. If you look down at verse 3 of our text, Isaiah says that they may be called the trees of righteousness. That's a reference to Psalm 1 where it describes the way of the ungodly and the way of the righteous, and the way of the righteous shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That was a psalm that was very important both to the Old Testament believers and to the early Christians. They talked about the way, the two ways, the way of the ungodly and the way of the righteous. And the Jews, uh, obviously, especially at the time of Jesus, tried very hard to become those green trees, those trees of righteousness. But Isaiah, in our text this morning, opens our eyes to truly understand Psalm 1. To understand that that tree of righteousness, that becoming that fruitful tree, does not come by our efforts, or by how good we are at obeying God's law, but it comes to us as the gift of God through the preaching of the gospel. He makes them. He comes preaching the gospel and makes them those trees of righteousness. Think back to Adam in the garden and how when God wanted to give him a wife, he first told him to name all the creatures. And as Adam named the creatures, he looked for one that would be compatible with him and found none. And so God often allows men to strive on their own, to find on their own, as, as he did Jacob. You remember how long Jacob strived on his own to become fruitful, to become a, a green tree. God also often allows people to strive on their own to become fruitful in order that they may learn that we cannot do it on our own. And so that we may turn instead and to receive it as a gift through the preaching of the gospel. Jesus comes with that preaching of the gospel and through it he makes us trees of righteousness, that gospel preaching to the poor. In all of this, we learn to recognize our Savior, don't we? Even before we see Him, we learn to recognize Him. Not by how He looks, the form of His body, but by His preaching and His tenderness and His mercy and because the Spirit of the Lord of the Covenant is upon Him. 
He is the Lord of the covenant who was anointed to preach to the broken so that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.